At Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Visit pointpark.edu slash works to learn more about Point Park's innovative co-op program. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio. You can find this podcast and everything that we offer Monday through Friday, very early in the morning, before you're up, and you can download it automatically into your devices via Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast. You name it, we're in it. The Penguins are in it. The Penguins are in the playoffs. Everybody's in the playoffs. 24 teams get in. But the Penguins have something that the majority of those teams don't. And it's not just the obvious stuff. It's not just the talent at hand, the experience at winning championships at hand. They also have a drive. They also have the want to. Don't roll your eyes at this. I can feel I feel you doing it. Don't do that. Don't presume that two dozen teams are entering this tournament with the same level of motivation, with the same level of belief that they can win, with the same level of urgency. If you look at the Penguins group, particularly the core, and you see how many of them have won two championships, and then, of course, the three guys who've been there for all three, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. And you understand that this is a group that gets it from the standpoint of wanting to win as many as possible while they can. I'm not even mentioning a really obvious candidate like Patrick Marlowe, who's never won one, who came to Pittsburgh, left San Jose, really just for that reason, because he'd like to have one on his Hall of Fame resume. He'd like to be able to lift that cup. The Penguins are loaded with that sort of thing. And to your eyes rolling, yes, there are other teams that would also like to win the Stanley Cup. I get that. But not all of them are going to come in with the same level of intensity, confidence, and preparation. And this is what I want to share with you this morning. I've been hearing for months now, this goes back to the third week of March when this shutdown really had taken hold, when it was at its peak, really. Mike Sullivan was getting the message out to his players that no matter what was going on, no matter what their status, no matter where they were in terms of rehabbing injuries, where they thought or if they thought the game would come back at any point in 2020, he kept emphasizing to them again and again and again, stay ready, be ready. Have yourself in championship-level condition. Have yourself in a championship-level mindset. He actually described it. This was back when something like this would have sounded silly two months ago. 
as a competitive advantage. That was his exact term, a competitive advantage that the Penguins could have against other teams. Staying intense, staying focused, trying to maintain as much as possible of that drive that you need to enter a playoff and to succeed. So it shouldn't surprise anybody that in a Zoom call with reporters yesterday, this was Sullivan's assessment of where his team is right now. You know, there's a lot to play for. These guys are proud guys. They're the best players in the world. And uh, and, and I think a lot of them see the opportunity in front of them. I, I guess I can just speak for, uh, I can only speak for uh, how I feel about our, our players in Pittsburgh. But uh, in, in my conversations with a lot of our players, uh, I know they're excited to play. And, and I know how much of an opportunity they see in front of them. Now, obviously, we've got to go out and earn it. But I think that drive and that motivation uh, to win a Stanley Cup is is going to uh, is is going to force players uh, into uh, a, a quick adjustment process. So that, my friends, is who that guy is. He never stops coaching. His foot is never off the gas. Not through a pandemic either. And I can promise you that on July 10, when the Penguins begin the formal portion of their training camp, that there's going to be a special level of drive, intensity, and all those other words I've been using so far on display. And I don't know that those are going to be matched around the league. Just to throw out, this is probably the worst example, but then it's the worst team in the tournament in the Montreal Canadiens and, of course, the Penguins' opponent in the preliminary round. By every account, they've had no more than a handful of players showing up at Bell Center. Some are coming, some aren't. Some will get there eventually. There's a chance that they won't even get started with the full camp on July 10, the first day that the NHL allows it. Carey Price showed up just yesterday after there had been some pretty significant speculation that he might not participate at all. Again, it's Montreal and speculation, so take it with a grain of salt. Uh, That team is covered pretty intensely up there, particularly by the French-Canadian-speaking media. They are all over every little thing, including things that don't exist. But there it was. Nobody was talking about how super fired up Montreal was and everything else. Everything was just la-di-da. The New York Rangers are another team that's kind of on the periphery, shouldn't have been in this tournament. They did finish strongly and everything else, but, you know, them being in the postseason is a gift. Nobody there would or should pretend otherwise. And here you have Artemi Panarin, who was the Rangers' best player by a a broad margin, and that's with all due respect to the terrific season that Mika Zibanejad had in New York. You had Artemi Panarin putting out this morose statement a couple of days ago on his Instagram account about how most players in the NHL don't even want to be back. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. They're worried about the salary cap escrow accounts and everything else. This didn't sound like a player who was thinking, I am here to lead the Rangers to the Stanley Cup. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sensing a lot of that in reading accounts from around the game. 
there's a lot of hemming and hawing and, and so forth, but there isn't that universal, we are in this to win a cup, or as Mike Sullivan, you just heard say, we see a special opportunity in front of us. We recognize what's in front of us. That's where the Penguins' mindset is, and that's where the real value is, I think, in having the leadership core that they have. Crosby, Malkin, Latang. I haven't yet mentioned Patrick Hornquist. Brian Dumoulin's a much bigger leader on this team than I think what most people might realize. Having these guys who've been there, who've won, who know what it takes who get it, who understand that you have to be as ready as possible for game one, but also ramping everything up toward the playoffs in general. Patrick Laine of the Winnipeg Jets was quoted recently up there as saying that he expects that the quality of play will be somewhat sloppy, uh, maybe looking even a little bit under-motivated when teams return. Liney's not speaking for the Jets. No team that has Blake Wheeler as a captain is going to be dogging it. But I'm sure that he's right. I'm sure that there are going to be teams that show up, probably a good bunch of teams, especially in that preliminary round, who think that either they're going to be able to coast through it or they're just not going to care if they coast through it because they know they've got no chance. They know they're way out on the bubble, shouldn't even have been in the tournament in the first place. It's a different thing. This this whole this whole format, the four month wait between games. It's going to take a special group, a resilient group, one that's been there, one that's done it, and one that really, really, really wants it. Again, these penguins check off every one of those boxes, and if that doesn't have you excited going into what's going to be starting at the end of this month, I can't imagine what would. We don't know that the Penguins will win the Cup. We don't know that the Penguins will make it deep into the tournament, but we don't have to wonder right now whether or not they want to, or whether or not they wanted it a month ago. I'll be back in a little bit. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your bike, your computer, your window, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. That's projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.
do get going in the Stanley Cup playoffs, they and everyone else will be competing in another country. The league is going to have two hub cities, one for the east, one for the west, in Toronto and in Edmonton. And that's it. There will be no Stanley Cup playoffs contested anywhere in the United States of America. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. There, that, that bugs me. That bugs me as an American. It bugs me as a Pittsburgher. It bugs me as a hockey fan. Heck, it even bugs me in the, the, the awful concept that somebody in Canada will be raising a Stanley Cup for the first time since 1993, back when Patrick Waugh and the Canadians pulled off a few upsets. No Canadian franchise has won the Cup since then. And somebody's going to do it, whether it's Toronto, Edmonton, whatever. It's going to be up there somewhere. It's not going to be here. And I get the NHL's reasoning for it. I get that the NHL was pushing for Las Vegas, a new market, and then once they saw the coronavirus spikes happening uh, across the south, uh, particularly in Arizona and California, near Nevada, some spikes within Nevada itself, certain parts of Vegas started not shutting down, but becoming a little bit more careful with masks and so forth. And the league just looked across the landscape and said, you know what, that's it. We're moving to Canada. And that's what they did. That's what they're going to do. In order to cross from the United States into Canada, if you're a normal citizen like me or you, when you enter that country, you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days. 14 full days of not moving around, basically being stuck in one spot. And they have ways of checking that. And as a result, not many people are crossing that border. So in that sense, Canada is a way safer place just because it has been able to shut its doors to the United States. And yes, if you think this is where I'm going, I am. Because the European Union has also shut its doors to the United States. Because when you look right now at the graphics that illustrate coronavirus spikes, it goes like this. Canada, European Union, Africa, Asia, Australia, everything going way down. And the United States all by itself pretty much way up. Brazil and India are having spikes as well. But nothing like what's going on here in the United States. This stinks. This is embarrassing. I don't care who's to blame for it. I certainly don't care which political party or which politician or which CDC official or Dr. Fauci or whatever. All I know and all I care about is that the United States of America as a whole is really, really looking terrible here. And way more important than any appearances is the fact that it's costing us lives. Yeah, deaths are down and and hospitalizations are down, but we don't know the full impact of these case spikes for another two, three weeks, maybe even a month, because that's how long it takes for those cases to translate, unfortunately, into more serious versions of the illness. It's not just going to be the way it is now that it's a bunch of 35-year-olds who went to the beach or went to the bar or whether it's the protests or whatever it is. 
It's not just going to be them because they're going to go see grandma and grandpa, and then all of a sudden it becomes serious, especially if grandma and grandpa are in nursing homes, and we start that all over again. How, how have we gotten ourselves to this point as a country? How is it that we've become so insanely divided on literally everything? Everything is painted blue or painted red, and we see nothing in the middle. And the moment somebody says, well, I feel this way, and the other one says, I feel that way, and that's it. That's the end of the discussion. We're talking about masks, masks that surgeons have been wearing to perform operations on forever. These aren't for nothing. They're there to protect not the individual wearing the mask, but the individuals on the other side of it. And we're taking politics, something that's so comparatively insignificant compared to a pandemic and our health and tens of thousands of Americans dying, and we're prioritizing a political battle over that. And believe me when I say this, this goes to both sides, because what ends up happening is the ones who don't want to wear masks will say this. The ones who, who say, yes, wear masks, then they'll name, call, and finger point the other side, which makes the other side that much more determined, and it only gets worse. Step away from the politics. Step away from your television sets and your radios. And think for yourself about putting on a mask and whether or not if you sneeze. And that's really what this is primarily about. It's not about breathing. It's not about, you know, saying hello and the H sound creates something. It's about an actual sneeze or a cough. If you have the mask on and you sneeze, which you can't always control, cough. I cough probably more than most people do, not for any particular reason. I just do. People ask regularly if I'm sick. I'm not. It's just something that happens. When I do it now and I don't have the mask on, I look like a villain. But it's legit. If I have the mask on, nobody has to wonder about whether or not I care about their well-being. That's all it's about. If you don't care about yourself... At least care about people around you. Respect the people around you. Make them more important than whatever the last thing you saw on television or heard on radio or whatever it is that pertains to politics. Forget it. It's a mask. There are studies everywhere. And if anybody really wants them, ask about them. Go dig them up. You do one search. I, I, had, I mentioned the other day studies that show that masks can reduce a death factor by as much as one-third across the scope of a country. They reduce cases. Google it. Google coronavirus masks and something else. Be creative. Think for yourself. Don't wait for somebody on TV to tell you what to think. But Or just use your head. You know, use some logic here. The sooner that we all get on board with this, all of us, like what was mandated Yesterday in Pennsylvania by Governor Tom Wolf. I'm sure it's going to be unpopular with a lot of people. I'm not going to enjoy walking around outside with a mask either. Who wants that? Nobody does. I sure don't. You know what I do want? I want life to get back to as close to normal as possible. I want sports. I want to be able to do whatever it is that I want. 
But I recognize that the best way to achieve that is by playing with the team here. And that's what I'm going to do. That's what everybody's going to do. That's what everybody should do. And if we do, we don't have to suffer embarrassments like this. Because this stinks. This really stinks. Coming up at 3 p.m. today, Jeff Hartman will have his Back Through the Tunnel program with a guest from our staff. I'm going to remind you, please, please make sure that this podcast is coming into your devices automatically by subscribing for free. You hear the word subscribing, you think there's money involved. There isn't. Subscribe for free to our podcasts through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere at all, we're available. Thanks for listening to this. I appreciate it. University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's The Point. Point Park University.